Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Royal Marty. Hey, Royal, you know, last week in our our quest to get the first podcast done, we skipped over explaining to folks who we are, and I thought maybe it'd be good to backtrack and just give a little intro and background oh, about yeah. uh, who we are, right? <laughs> in case people don't know. But they should. Of course, we're pretty big deals, right? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> so, well, uh, where are you originally from? And uh, well, let's start there. Where were you, where are you originally from? Uh, let's see. So, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. Not true. It nobody's very true. Nobody's born yeah. and raised in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, the Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. The nursery off of the yeah, slot right. machines. Off the slot machines. My video games were uh, slot machines. <laughs> there you go. Right. No, I just did grow up in like in Las Vegas, but not in a casino. Lived there uh, until I graduated high school and moved to St. Louis for college. Oh, where'd you go to school? Uh, Webster University. Gotcha. Where I studied uh, technical direction and math. 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 <laughs> Was that so? You did? Did you so do a double minor, major? A uh, minor. In a math. minor. Yeah. Probably a lot of guys in theater did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> um. And study, like I said, I studied technical direction. And then, how did you first get interested in automation? Then, so about freshman year or so, I always ended up on the projects that had like little, little gags, the little effects, like the little like snowdrops and like kabuki, kabuki drops, like yeah, like the little drop boxes. Okay, we were using like solenoids and stuff, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And uh, started to you know dive into it more and realized that there's a lot out there right um and was a pesky student and just kept driving the the faculty members to to do more automation to huh? do more automation yeah so it was in college that i first bumped into you tell tell the story about, <laughs> about how you did how you found creative connors and our little company here and <laughs> it's a good one so um we found creative connors on the internet and I was like, oh, we should buy this. And they, my teacher at the time was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And so I uh, wrote up a little proposal. You, you actually wrote the grant proposal. Yeah, I wrote the proposal and was persistent on getting it to the right people. Yep. And eventually got it. And now, one of the funny terms of this grant proposal, though, <laughs> that was really quite right. inventive. <laughs> right. Was that because I wanted to build some of it myself. Yeah. And being naive, I was like, I can build that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and um, my teacher was like, how about instead of you building it, uh, you go there and build it. Right. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> yeah, they're so, not going to go for that, but whatever. Yeah, I got this call from John Wiley, your professor. And yeah. he said, yeah, so we want to buy the equipment, but we want to send a guy to come build it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. Let me get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> and so at the time we were uh creative connors was really gareth in his garage right and uh you came up sat next to me in my garage built some stage hands yeah put together the winch right everything that was pretty cool it's pretty funny right yeah so then <laughs> after college what happened after undergrad so after undergrad i went to uh north carolina school of the arts oh they've got a great program yeah for scenic automation jack miller yep 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 um and i went there for one year I ended up leaving early for like personal reasons and stuff, but uh, then went to Clancy. And oh yeah, worked at Clancy as uh, on their engineering team, like with mechanical design. 
Like laying out rigging systems, that sort of thing? Is yeah, that well, uh, I didn't hoist? do too much of the rigging systems. I did more of the hoist. More hoist, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, the hoist design and the, like the loft block design and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then came here. And then came here to Creative Connors. And That's you've right. been here now for... Almost four years. Almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're like, it only feels like an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's cool. So you got into automation pretty early then. Yeah. 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 So Gareth, tell us a little bit about a little bit about you. Where are you from? Originally from Chicago. So you're a Cubs fan? Not a Cubs fan. Uh I was Southside guy, so <laughs> White Sox fan. <laughs> Everyone right. can be a Cubs fan though. They're totally harmless. Yeah, though. the White Sox don't really win too much either. Right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> are you saying Chicago's a bunch of losers? I'm saying they got a good basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, born and raised in Chicago, and then I went to undergrad out at uh, Ithaca College in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Uh, and then from there, I never went to graduate school, but started bumming around the regional theater circuit. Yep. So where'd you go first? Uh, Old Globe. Well, I went. I did some time at Santa Fe, mm-hmm. um, but just over the summers. My first job outside of school was um, at the Old Globe out in San Diego, working with Lauren Schreiber. Oh, yeah. And that was actually when I got there, Lauren left shortly after I arrived and I'm to go to go teach. I think just to get away from me. But yeah, he's yeah. like, I can't, I can't deal with <laughs> this kids kid coming sticks. out like this. So I got to go teach them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what sad state of affairs of our, of our school system dropped into. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but Lauren's a really, really smart guy. Um, and I only got a, a chance to work with him for a couple of months. Uh, but it was a really great opportunity to work with him. And, I was fascinated with all of the mechanical projects uh, that they were doing and, right. and watching Lauren work on um, all sorts of moving gags, you know, whether it was winchy things or lifts or whatever. It was a lot of fun. And I thought, gosh, I right. would like to do that. Because he was using like his own kind of pseudo control system too, right? I mean, like. Yeah, he, was- he used a lot of different stuff. I mean, they would do, you know, they would uh, they would do and still do um, shows that go to Broadway. And in right. th- those cases, they would have somebody else's system um, in there. But for shows that were going to be produced and stay at the Globe, Lauren was devising his own control systems. And then eventually Lauren made a control system yep. called MQ'd uh, as well. So uh, that was long after I'd left. But uh, in any case... Yeah, so I think I, I often credit the the globe with being where I really got bit by the the bug to want to do more automation. Um, I played around with it a little bit in college as well, but we didn't have a lot of um, right a lot of actual equipment. So right. the globe was the first place I really got a chance to to mess with the stuff. But then I worked at the Alley Theater in Houston for a year, yeah. um, and then I landed at Mystic Scenic up in Boston, which is okay. a commercial shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there we finally had the money to really explore some automation. Uh, we we had our own system that we developed and right. um, yeah, that, that, that was the first real chance to, to get to do it at a bigger scale. Yeah. And so were there a lot of you that did automation in Mystic or was it just Not, um, a handful? It was just a handful. Yeah. There was, it was a fairly small team. I think there was probably at the height, probably six of us that yeah. were doing automation at Mystic. Um, and, but then oftentimes it was just two or three right. um, people on the team. So uh, we certainly weren't one of the biggest shops around for automation, but we sure. we did a fair amount of uh, corporate events, a lot of turntables, car shows, and turntables, right? <laughs> <laughs> moving projection screens. And, um, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. But then we also uh, worked on the cruise ships. Yeah, yeah um, you spent back. a lot of your time in Italy, right? Yeah, in Italy. 
And we weren't doing the, we were building the shows for the Disney cruise lines back then. Yeah. And, uh, and so we weren't doing the automation. We were doing like the deck tracks and things like that. All the mechanics of right. uh, stage technologies out of London was doing the automation the on that. automation. Yep. Okay. A lot of big toe winches and, uh, at that time their acrobat console, yeah, yeah. uh, and very cool. Uh, really great guys. Brilliant and fun to work around those people. So, yeah. So that was a lot of fun, but eventually I got a little fed up with uh, the commercial space and wanted to, I wanted to make an automation system that could be used in regional theaters and universities and, um, and really in the end, anywhere, as we've seen it grow over time, gets used a lot of places, but that was the original idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was something that you, it was flexible enough that if you had your own machines, you could, uh, glom on our control Control system. system Control with that. Yep. Yep. And that started in. 2004. Yep. And uh, so we're coming up so, on our 11th anniversary. Right. 11th year. But then you started, I mean, the company officially started in 2004. But when? Oh, did yeah. <laughs> That's when we the, opened the doors. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. So, like, when did you start working on it? You started working on it in 2004? No, it took a few years before that. I actually started working on the system back in 2000, right, uh, right at the millennium. Um, yeah, it took about. Did your computers crash? <laughs> 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 no, but sometimes my modem disconnected <laughs> from the phone line. <laughs> yeah, I was developing this stuff in my basement at the time and doing it just kind of uh, nights and weekends. You know, I was still working at Mystic full time. So yeah. I was just chipping away at this when I could. And it would go for months sometimes without it being touched. And there were a lot of house renovation projects that I'd have to like, <laughs> right. I'd have to box everything up in the lab and, you know. Uh, anyway, so it took about four years to get that all put together, um, and then sent it out to be beta tested at Williamstown Theater Festival. Yeah, uh, Mike Wade, with your buddy Mike Wade. Yeah, Mike Wade and I went to college together, and he did. Um, he took it out to Williamstown and yeah. did a summer with it. Did several shows and came back and said, "Hey, I think it's ready. You should uh, sell it." So that's when I took out another mortgage on the house and quit my job and <laughs> started producing automation equipment out of my basement <laughs> before I made the big move to my garage. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's so anyway, didn't want to belabor that, but to give folks a, uh, some little fun tidbits about where we are yeah. uh, from and uh, who we are, who we are. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you know what happened last week? The Tonys. The Tonys. <laughs> Congratulations to Cleveland Playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. They took the home the Tony for best regional theater. Impressive. Impressive. And you know whose automation gear they're rocking? Ours. Creative Ours. Connors. That's right. Creative <laughs> Connors. <laughs> this, the last seven out of 11 regional theater Tony winners have been rocking our stuff. That's right. We looked that up after <laughs> seeing the Tony award. And we were like, I wonder how many of our, how many, since 2004, since we started in business. Right. How many of the Tony Awards have gone to customers of ours? And seven out of 11. So it's not necessarily a lock. <laughs> but empirical data yeah. suggests that if you're a customer, you're going to win. Yeah, statistically, I would get our gear. Right. So yep. if you want to win, yep. buy, buy some lunches. There you go. Buy some lunches. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we kid, we kid, obviously. But congratulations again to the Cleveland Playhouse. And uh, better luck next year to everybody else. Right. So this week, I thought we'd spend a little time talking about some upcoming automation projects that we're working on uh, and talk about techniques for curved winch tracks. Okay. And then wrap up maybe with, if we've got time to talk a little bit about back off um, 
embedded PCs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So coming up, I hear we've got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang show. Yes, we do. So the show is at the Candlelight Dinner Theater in Colorado. They contacted us a couple weeks ago, said that they wanted to do Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And um, we were like, absolutely. Yeah, that we sounds love great. to do that, right? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that's no small show. So yeah, these gonna, guys must be... make the car fly. Yeah, make, yeah making the car fly. Yeah, we're gonna be, this is going to be awesome. Right. So these guys must be pretty heavy hitters when it comes to automation. Yeah, it's the first time. First time? Yeah, yeah hey. it's the first time. Go but big or go home, exactly. right? Exactly. All right. You got to admire the... Yeah, the courage. Yeah. That's fantastic. So. <laughs> uh, no, that... We kid, but uh, honestly, that is a that is a, a little ambitious for a first project. Absolutely, yep. Um, but that's great. So they gave us a call and said, "Hey, how can we make this car fly?" That's a, a good first step. Right. Like, ask for help, whether it's <laughs> us or somebody else. Uh, if it's your first time going out <laughs> on an automation job, definitely want to get get some uh, some, some other advice. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we went around and around with them a couple times of you know different ways to do it and. Of course. So know, we're going to do the prices. robotic arm, just like uh, on Broadway? No, no, uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of hard. <laughs> that is kind of hard. <laughs> An impressive way to do it. Probably not right for the, for a dinner theater. Yes. So um, we're going to do it with travel tracks. So okay. we're going to do two sets of travel tracks. So you're going to have an upstage set and a downstage. Okay. All and right. So the car is oriented upstage and downstage. So downstage is where the driver would be sitting. Okay. Right? And he's facing out to the audience. He's facing out to the audience. Okay. So you've got like a downstage traveler track. That's parallel with the front axle of the car. Exactly. Upstage traveler track is parallel with the rear, with the rear axle, axle of the car. Of the car. Okay. Cool. Yep. Bingo. And so the travel tracks will be able to make it traverse stage left and stage right. Okay. And then uh, we're going to lift on the front okay. axle and yep. the rear axle. So oh. we'll be able to tilt the car up and down oh, as well as okay. kind of you know, skew it a little bit. You know, I got right, you. Stage left and lift to kind of make it look like it's flying. Oh, that's actually, that's not bad. That's a nice way to do it because, so we'll be able to lift up the front axle or lift up the back rear axle independently. Right. And then, uh, and then track left and right. So exactly. you can track just the back end a little bit or track just the front end a little bit yeah. and get a little wiggle to the car and then you can pop either one, either the front or the back up or down a little bit. So you should actually be able to make it actually get a pretty nice effect yeah, doing that. Yeah, I think and you're going to be able to get quite a bit of a l- different looks out of it. So it'll be four motors then. Yeah, four Is that axes right? Four total. Okay, so four we got axes. a downstage, left, right, downstage, up, down motor, and then an upstage, left, right, and an upstage, up, down motor. Yes, cool. exactly. No, that should be great. Yeah. Now you mentioned Traveler Track. How much, uh, what's the load on this thing going to be? Yeah, so... The customer expects that we're going to have roughly 4,000 pounds. No, that's not nothing. No, it's not nothing because they're going to have the car and uh, four people. In the car. In the car. While it's up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let me back that up though. So 4,000 pounds, travel track. <laughs> <laughs> this can't, This isn't just going to be some ADC silent steel 280 no, track. No, no. All right. Yeah. So, what are you doing about track? Because that's a that's a load. So at first, we had always kind of planned on using like I beam and uh, yeah, and I beam trolleys. Um, but you know, those not so good because they're kind of loud, they're right? They're kind of loud and they're not very smooth. I mean, they're designed for yeah, like, for warehouses. Yeah, where, just for like just material like, handling. Exactly, you're just transporting material. Right. So who and cares so they're kind of loud and bumpy. And, right. Yeah. And right. if they and they don't really. They're not tight tolerance, right? No. They don't track. 
in a super straight line. They've they got bind. a lot of yeah. they can bind and they get because usually it's uh, it's okay if it if it runs a little loose and then you just yank on it to get the thing moving where but you want it to go. Right. That's not what we're looking for. No. So I, I was looking at it like through Triple E to see if they had any high load track. Oh, they make um, nice tracks. They make very nice tracks. Yeah. And then um, and then I looked at Garrett's who who we use from time to time for like their Joker track. The Joker track's great. Yeah. Very really nice. good stuff. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, Garrett's has a newish track that they call the Cargo XL. XL. Right. That's us. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, that's rated for 2,000 pounds, just over 2,000 pounds. Just over 2,000 pounds. So yeah. we got, we'll be splitting the load between two tracks. Exactly. So we're going to. And we'll get it within our weight limit there. Yeah. And that track is an aluminum extrusion. So it's going to be pretty, it's going to be nice. Um, yeah, it's it's beefy. It's like three three inches wide by eight inches tall or something. Oh, that's a big track. Yeah, 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 yeah which is pretty beefy. But I mean, and now it's nice because we can just get all of the components from them. All the carry like they exactly. must have some be- beefy carriers got to go very with this. Beefy carriers to go with it, and they've got um, all the hangers, mending plates, and mending plates, and all of that. Right. Yeah, Garrett's tends to do a very nice job with their hardware yes. like the splices are great like yes. the, if anyone's ever struggled with a traditional adc track splice try to tweak all those little set screws <laughs> right. uh, we've used the joker track in the yeah. past but the, I'm, I'm sure it's the same way with these other tracks like the cargo track that the splices you put them in lock them down and the the seams are gorgeous yeah they're yeah. great yeah yeah nice so. cool so uh, we're going to be buying all the mounting hardware, the carriers yep. from Garrett's. So we- we're going to fabricate the pulleys. The pulleys. Yep. Okay. So we're going to fabricate all of the, um, the the tracking pulleys. Yep. And like you know, the, so like the turnaround pulley and the the pulleys that to go to the live the, ends. Exactly. And gotcha. And so- then the then there's pulleys that we're using for the lifting lines. Okay. So yeah. So how does that work? So we we're using. You said we're going to be using four motors. What kind of what kind of machines are these going to be? So for the travel track, the traversing, we're going to use push sticks. Our deck winch. Our, our deck winches. Oh, that's yep. a perfect application because there's no overhead component to it. Exactly. Just, yep. It's just a left, right. Movements. Doesn't need redundant yeah. brakes. No. Extra safety features. Right. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And then the lifting, we're going to use the spot line. Gotcha. So we'll. So we're going to hang a spot line on the carriers and then use the push sticks to track left, right? Is that no, the idea? So we're going to put the spot line down on the floor right next to the push stick. Oh, so every winch on the floor. Every winch okay. on the floor, cool. right? And so then we're going to run the cable up and mm-hmm. then through the carriers and down to the car. Ah. You know, down, to the, down to the first wheel and then back up and then down to the second wheel and back up. And then dead end. I see. So it'll be like a standing loop of cable coming off the hoist. Yes. That runs through the carriers and uh, through the car, you know, through the car pulleys back up. And so, and then the traverse will basically run the carriage through the standing loop. Right. And if the loop tightens up, then the car goes the car's up. The going to lift up. But it can still traverse through the loop. Yep. And if the loop slackens, the car goes down. The car's going to go down. Oh, exactly. cool. Yep. That's nice. And so all the machinery gets to stay on the ground where it's easy to see, easy to check, yep. and exactly. easier easy to, to not rig. lift. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you remember from last week, the push sticks are kind of heavy. <laughs> kind of heavy. <laughs> and the spot lines are quite a bit quite a bit lighter, but they're, they don't weigh nothing either. Right. And that's that true, too. Light. And then we don't have to account for the 
weight of the inches on the track. Exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not reducing our loading up there. Exactly. That's cool. Yep. That's nice. I love all of that, but I come back to the <laughs> the load. So we've got two thousand pounds per track yep. of lifting capacity. It's a little embarrassing to have to say this on the show, but as the product engineer, <laughs> Royal, I thought you'd remember that our spot lines are only rated for five hundred pounds of overhead lifting. So, oh, Gareth, that's a detail that we're going to have to work out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the way we're lifting on the on the car, it's a four to one mechanical advantage. Oh, right, because we got the pulleys down at the wheels exactly, on each right. wheel. So we got four moving lines. Yep. We got a four to one mechanical four to advantage. Four to one mechanical advantage, you know, which is great. It gets us at that 500 pound yep. lifting load. Um, but then it decreases the, the speed. Yeah, obviously. by four times. Yeah, right? exactly. So we're going to be at right around nine inches per second. Right. Um, you know, we would, uh, we'd love it to go faster, but that's just the trade off that. Yeah, uh, that that's the compromise, exactly. right? So yeah. if we're going to use a stock machine to get in this loading, to get into the load limit of the stock machine, right. we're going to have to do some mechanical advantage. We're going to lose some speed. Um, but the the alternative is that it's going to cost a lot more money because we're going to have to. Machine, right. Yeah. right. And I don't know if we mentioned, but the you know we got the green light on Friday of last week, and and we when got to load in the second week of July. Oh, so it's so quick. it's coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's Not a lot up. of time, but better stick with stock equipment. Exactly. Yeah. Both for budget and timeline. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, and yeah, it should be a it should be a great project. really cool project. Yeah, yeah, actually, that'll be great to see the kind of motion we can get with the with those two traverse and lift tracks right. uh, on the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. And uh, Ryan, the guy who's working with us for the summer, yep. up from uh, School of the Arts, uh, he's going to do a little bit of help. Uh, on this too doing yeah. some of the drawings for pulley mounts and things right, right which will be great yeah that'll be great it'll yep. take a little bit of load off your plate and give him a chance to work on a cool project exactly yeah he seemed pretty jazzed about it yeah that's awesome so nice yeah so another big project that we uh just found out about is for the steppenwolf theater steppenwolf theater in chicago yeah so they're my like, hometown they're, yeah they're cubs fans too <laughs> that's right <laughs> More Cubs fans. <laughs> More Cubs fans. <laughs> we probably do have a couple of Cubs. Nah, we don't have a couple of Cubs fans out there. Um, the uh, yeah, Sunroof for for Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah. So really excited about this. Yeah. This is a, a cool, cool project. So it's a six foot by twelve foot sunroof and lift. Wow, that's pretty big. It's pretty big. So for folks who don't know what I'm talking about when I say sunroof, so. Um, there will be a trap door on the stage that drops down and slides out of the way, just like a sunroof in a car. In your car, right? Only bigger. at six foot by 12 foot. <laughs> like the size of your car. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, once that hole is opened in the stage, we'll be bringing a lift up to close the hole. So what's nice about doing a, you know, there's a couple of ways to do lifts on the stage. You could either have the lift always at stage level and then drop it down, load stuff on it, bring it back up. Right. Or if you build a sunroof trap to go over the lift, then you can have the stage floor closed up with the trap door, be loading things down below in the trap room onto the lift. Right. Open the trap door and then bring the scenery and actors yeah. right up on the lift without having to drop the lift first. So it's, right. it's a it's it a nice it way a to nice do it. Nice effect. Yeah. yeah, you can. It's much quicker to get from lift on stage to lift off stage, right. hole closed back right, up. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but it's big, six foot by 12 foot. Yeah. Yeah. So we're providing the lift and the sunroof. We are providing right? the lift and the sunroof. Yes. That's so, right. so what are we, what are we going to do about the lift? 
Yeah, that's a good point because we don't have a lift in our stock products. Those right. f- folks who look at our web pages will <laughs> quickly see that there's no lifts list- listed there. So we're actually going to partner with our good friends over at Stage Machines. Yeah. Adrian Davidson. Uh, just right down the street. Just right down the street. Exactly. They're a stone's throw from our <laughs> shop. In fact, Adrian's got a ton of hydraulic scissor lifts and um, he's got some big ones um, that have nine feet, 10 feet, something yeah, worth yeah. of travel. Right. Um, and they're nice and big. So we'll use a couple of those lifts to create this six foot by 12 foot platform. Okay. And then, so how are we going to link them together? Are they just going to be individual or are they going to be like uh, they won't just, or, or? Good question. Good question. So they, it's not, we're not rock solid certain yet about which way we're going to go. But normally what we try to do is orient the two lifts together in a T shape. Okay. Because uh, scissor lifts tend to be strong in one direction and a little floppy in the other direction. Right. So we would put both of them together in a T so that we'd take advantage of the strong direction of both and make a rigid platform. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But at six foot by 12 foot, I'm not sure that we can do that. Um, we may have to spread out the two lifts uh, quite a ways to get that, to cover the full 12 foot width of the right. platform. Um, and if we do that, uh, if you if we were to bolt them together in a T, we could just bolt them together and basically Y the hydraulics, you yes. know, two for the hydraulic line. Because they'll be locked together. They'll that, be locked together yeah. mechanically. Um, if we spread them out, we'll have to go to a flow divider, like okay. a piston flow divider. Yep. yep. So one way or the other, um, we're, as we get into it, we'll we'll figure out more about how we're going to orient the lifts. But yeah. uh, but we got the lifts. We got the the nice thing about Adrian's stuff is it's already rigged to work with spike mark and stage right, hands. He uses our stuff. He yep. uses our stuff. So nice. That'll be sweet. So the sunroof. The sunroof. The, the sunroof, sunroof is, is cool. a big. It is a big sunroof as well. I mean, it is. Yeah. Six, six feet by twelve, 12 feet. feet. And it's got a it's got span. A span. Six feet. Right. Yeah. So six feet by 12 feet. We're going to span the six foot dimension. Yep. Uh, and then we'll put linear rails on the 12 foot dimension to allow it to slide out. Okay. Um, there's us- there's a couple ways to do. Well, just like there's a couple ways to do everything, but there's a couple <laughs> ways to do sunroofs. Um, I think what we're going to do on this one is do the opposing wedge sunroof. Um, and what this is, is we would basically build a bottom tray that I'd call like a lunch tray. It's going to be a big tray shaped roughly like a lunch tray, only larger, that has a bunch of shark fin wedges made out of plastic sticking okay. out of it in rows, like rows of teeth yeah, sticking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you can, so that slides back and forth on linear rails. And then on top of it, we're going to put a lid. That will actually be the, the finished lid of the platform or of the trap when the it's closed. Trap, yeah. You? It'll become the stage floor when the trap's closed. Yep. On the bottom of that lift, we'll put shark fins that oppose the other way. So we have wedge on wedge okay. together. Yeah. Yeah. And those just, the gravity just basically holds those things in place. We'll I make see. them both super heavy. So gravity will be <laughs> our friend. We're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at that. <laughs> making things heavy isn't actually that hard. It's the making them light that's tricky. Uh, and then we'll, we're going to put a motor on the lunch tray, the lower section. Okay. That's going to push into the opening. When the upper lid hits the edge of the opening, like the end of the opening, now those wedges kick into effect. And as the lunch tray pushes more, the wedges slide up on one another until eventually they hit a flat spot and and then just become sitting up on legs. Oh, that's nice. So then you don't have to have like a second... You, you, no the, second like motor second device or something yeah like that. right 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 to yep. flip it up yep and then the other really nice thing about this is you can put these wedges these little uh, shark fin wedges 
anywhere throughout the lid of the platform to keep it nice and stiff. Gotcha. So you don't have to, on the platform lid, you don't have to be spanning nearly so far. Okay. So you can take that bottom tray, make it super rigid. Right. And then support the lid everywhere. Oh, uh, that's that nice. You, you know, so if it gets a little spongy in the middle, just put another shark fin just in the middle. Just put another wedge in there. Nice. Yeah, and then the, the last thing that I like about that system is that um, the actual look of the motion. So as that the platform is coming up to fill the hole, it's traveling perfectly vertically. Yes. It's not like a, like a regular sunroof on your car or how you sometimes do sunroof traps where the leading edge kind of rolls up a curved track and then you pop the back right. end up with a cam. With a cam. Um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not a terrible way to do it either, but I just don't love the way that looks yeah. as much as the perfectly level kind of levitating platform right. up into yeah, place. Yeah, this way makes a very nice look. It's a very cool yeah, look. Very cool. So, cool. Yeah. So what are, what are you thinking we're going to do about safety? Because there's a lot of pinch points, right? I mean, there's yeah. a, there's obviously pinch points of like when the lift is coming up. Yeah, that's always a concern with between lifts. Between the edge. Yep. And then there's also a problem of, you know, now there's a sunroof. Yes. So how do we know that the lift doesn't get driven up into the sunroof or somebody that's standing in the on the lift. Yeah, it gets get, trash compacted yeah. up into the, the lid, right? Uh, yeah, so there's two questions there. So how do we protect around the, the pinch point around the edge of the lift? And we'll use bumper switches for that. So yeah. um, rubber astragal bumper switches or okay. safe edge, sometimes it's called. And that stuff is like a big rubber cushion that's got an electrical switch in it. And so we'll just line that all around the perimeter of the All of around the, the lift, perimeter right? of the opening surrounding the lift. Yeah, okay. so if you're toe is hanging off the edge of the lift it'll come up and hit that rubber switch the rubber switch will stop the lift from moving yes and then you still have a couple of inches of crush zone in the rubber oh, okay where you know the rubber won't hurt your foot i uh, see before so you get something it hard. will stop the machine but it's not going to be the end of the world for you yes exactly gotcha. it'll stop the machine and then and then you still have a crumple zone there that uh won't injure anything nice yeah so we'll do that around the edge and then we'll do some interlock switches to detect when the sunroof is completely open. So if the sunroof is not completely open, the lift will have a forward limit fault. Gotcha. So you cannot drive the lift up until the the sunroof trap is completely open. Okay. And so how how will we do that? Will we do that off of like encoder positioning or no, will we do that off of like that's a, a physical good limit switch or Right. More like the second thing. So, yeah, we don't want to do it just off of encoder positioning because, of course, encoder positioning can get screwed up and be re-zeroed at the wrong point or right. encoder can break or, you know, they're not as reliable of a device as a hard switch. So we'll use a hard limit switch okay. um, to detect when the, the, the sunroof is open. And then that, that makes it very straightforward, too, when you're setting it up. Like you you have a switch in your hand and you're going to place it right here at the edge of right. this is where the lift need, or the sunroof trap needs to be before the lift can come up. Right. So, yep, that's what we'll that's what we'll do there. OK, so, nice. And interlock it that way. Nice. Yeah. So that'll be the sunroof. Uh, last thing I think we got on the list here is rotating walls. Tell us what's rotating walls. Roy. Yeah. So we've got a we've got a customer that is working on a project that can't be can't be named. Can't talk about it. Can't be named yet. Yep, sure. But it is, it's a whole stage of 10 walls that are four feet by 20 feet. So okay. four feet wide, 20 feet tall. Gotcha. And they want these walls to rotate along the 
the 20 foot side. So it's right down in the middle. Oh, so like a bunch of vertical blinds. Exactly. Just like the vertical blinds. Okay. So initially we discussed, you know, we could rotate all of them. Oh, individually. Individually. Like put a motor on yeah, each wall. Right. That'd be slick. Right. Which would be really cool. Yeah. You can create like some awesome effects that way. Yeah. But of course, the pesky money <laughs> got in the way. Isn't it always the way? <laughs> what is it with this money stuff? This damn money. Yep. <laughs> um, so what we ended up doing was breaking them into two sets. So we're going to have a stage left set and a stage right set. Okay. And so each set's going to have five walls to it. And those, and I take it because we're not going to do a motor on each one. So we're going to do one stage left motor, one stage right motor, and then me- somehow mechanically link these walls yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. We're, so we're going to link them together with chain. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. You know, we talked about using like link bars and doing it that way. Uh-huh. But we... Chain's pretty straightforward, yeah, though. Yeah, chain is pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's easy to get. It's yeah. a known technology. We don't have to like make the link bar. You know, we don't have to make it. We'd have to make the link bars. Yeah, exactly. And all of that stuff. You know, and like, you've got some safety concerns on this guy as well, because you've got these rotating walls that are kind of like blades in a... <laughs> <laughs> in a meat grinder or like a stand mixer yeah, yeah, like you don't yeah. want to get caught between these things no 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 no. and so it was when we kind of started thinking about that when we realized the chain was the way to go because what we can do is put slip clutches on the sprockets so we can set the slip clutch to to slip at an at whatever torque we want. Okay, right? so mechanically, they just can't produce enough torque to cause damage to somebody. Exactly. So if something's standing in the way, the sprockets is just going to slip through it. Okay. So the walls will the walls will stay the wall will stay where it is. Yep. But it's going to move up above. It, it's going to move where the sprocket is. Yeah. You because know, it's slipping through the clutch. Because it's slipping through the clutch. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That makes it pretty. That, that's a nice, simple solution to a safety concern there. Yeah. Just make it so that the wall cannot produce enough force to cause harm. Right. And it'll just slip. And then you'll have that one wall that's kind of goofy and out of sync with the others. But then you can just push on it to line exactly. it back up. Exactly. Yeah. That was another thing we realized is like, how are we going to set it all up? Yep. You know, how, it's going to be a pain if we have. Yeah, if you got roller chain, roller chain, and we got to link all of these like perfect because you've only got you got one shot, (laughs) (laughs) right? No adjustability. You'd have to come up with some sort of adjustability thing in there anyway. Yeah, you'd basically have to design like a you design a slip slip clutch. clutch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or you know what? Why don't we buy slip clutches? That makes sense. Yeah, and like those slip clutches, I'm sure we're gonna get them. You know, in a better deal in volume going somewhere else, but you can get those just right out of McMaster. Yeah, out of McMaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep. those are those are nice, and those are actually the same little piece of hardware that folks have probably seen like on on old timey winches from like the Feller right. Feller days, where they used to use those. Uh, they were slip clutches. They didn't use the slip clutch part of them, but they drill them out and put grenade pins in them. Yes, so that, yeah, so you had a hand. pull the pin and use a hand crank yep. and let the sprocket slip through. Yeah, yep. those are sweet. All right, so. And then, and then there was talks at the very beginning of how is it all going to be controlled? Yeah, so is this right? just a push button thing, like open the blinds, close the blinds? Yeah, so initially that's when, you know, after we scaled back from doing a motor on each one, yep. and we kind of went to, it was just going to be a simple control with push button. Um, and then just the other day, the customer was talking that they want, they're going to want, you know, sophisticated motion. So they're going to want like different positions and stuff. And I said, well, that's, it's going to be hard to do with our current setup. Yep. So if that's what we're going to do, then we should go with spike mark. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there, you know, one of the fears was we didn't know who was going to be running it. Um, but but then we sure. found out that the stage hands are going to be running. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, so you get trained operators exactly. running this so, thing. They so. can totally handle spike marks. Totally. Yeah. 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 We'll yeah. be there for like the programming and stuff. And it's not going to just be like ma- the maintenance guy having to run this or something. Bingo. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're going to run it uh, with spike mark. And- oh, great. And then they can program to their heart's content. Exactly. Make as many moves as they want. Do control the speed, yeah. et cetera. Control the positioning. That's great. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, next up, we're going to talk about curved tracks. This came in uh, to us from an email. Someone was asking about uh, how do you do curved winch tracks? Right, because they stage. saw a video. They right? did. They saw a video uh, on our YouTube channel that had some curved deck tracks. I think that was actually from the Geffen Playhouse, if, uh, okay. if yeah. I remember. And it's a it's a question worth answering because people often want to know, hey, I see I can kind of wrap my head around how we're going to do a straight deck track. I mean, even that's the first leap, right? Yeah, right. But uh, how are you going to do a curved track on the stage? Um, there's a couple ways to do it. Or what's a what's one way to start? So a simple way to do it is, you know, if the if the wagon is just going to come out, yep. know, come out straight and then turn, you can treat it as a regular deck track. Okay. Right, so you have it rigged as a straight track. Yeah. And then at the end of the track, you put a, a curve. And the dog and goes it, around that curve? or Well, the dog doesn't go. So you, you put a curve in the deck, and the dog is in is on the back side. Oh, so right? you have a straight track for the dog to run in. And then the top guide track yeah. that's cut into the plywood of the deck, right. that takes the curve. Yeah, so, so the, the, the power is going straight, but then the guidance is going on a curve. Exactly. Right. And so then... As it takes that curve, it's pivoting around the dog. Oh, gotcha. So you could have like a pin in there or some sort of pivot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah something. Yeah, yeah. Right. But to allow it to twist. But so the like you're saying, the front edge is going on the curve. The back edge of the of the wagon right. stays in the dog on the straight section. Right. The back edge can never come off the straight section. Okay. So that's like a come out and turn, like you're saying. Like yes. It, we're just going to nose the platform downstage, but we can't track the entire platform right. around the curve. But a lot of times that's that's what they, yeah. you know. Yeah, in fact, it's it, a were you just thing. looking at something in a quote recently? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sound of Music, there's a tour coming out, yep. and they want to do the same Same, same trick, same right? Exact just yep. bring it out, parallel the footlights, then boop, twist then it downstage down to face the audience. Yeah. Cool? So so that works if you're only you know turning a little bit. Right, but, but if you got to turn the whole wagon downstage right. or make it yeah go around a curved section and then onto another straight section or something. Right. What do you... Yeah, there's no magic sauce for that. <laughs> that really, what you end up doing is you you build a curved um, track box. So okay. um, you might line the walls in a straight fashion on the straight sections, but when you get to the curve, you're just going to install a bunch of pulleys or rollers underneath the deck to guide the wire rope, the hauling line, around the yeah. curve. You're doing a series of pulleys, so the, the wire rope's going to stretch straight between the pulleys. It'll right. be like a faceted interpolation of the curve. So you, you kind of just want as many facets as possible, yeah. right? To smooth to out. To get as that, smooth as yeah. you can. Yep. yep, just put as many pulleys down there as you can and then the guide track up above can still be curved completely curved and smooth you don't that doesn't shouldn't be faceted and so the as the dog pull is pulled around the pulleys the cable kind of lifts out of the pulleys and then falls back in Ah, as it winds its way around that track below yeah yeah and the uh the ears on the dog stick up into the guide track and that gets that follows gotcha. the, uh, the curve. So if you go that route, do you ever have to like make like a custom dog with like wheels that are riding? That's a good question. Know, on the interior and of the circle or anything like that? Sometimes, yes. If it's a real tight 
um, curve, yep. you might have to uh, make a fancy dog that's got like lateral rollers in it to help ease its way around the curve on more gradual curves with lower loads. You know, yeah. if you've got a fairly light wagon and a fairly gentle curve, you can probably get away with just a straight dog. Yeah. Um, you know, a short one, you know, something like an eight inch dog or, yeah. uh, or less, and it can just shuttle its way around the curve. And so know. we had a customer. Yeah. Just recently just helped out. Do the do the exactly what you're discussing, right? That's right. So Pickerington High School um, actually just did a curve track like that. They rented a bunch of deck pulleys from us to line around their curve and and make that arc, um, and it came out great. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's a little complicated, but you know, there's a high school that that just did one recently, right. and yeah, we had sent good them success. The, yeah, we sent them the the shivs. Yep, and then and a deck quick sketch. And, yeah, and a quick sketch, and yeah, and and they had no problem. Yep. So. Cool. So yeah, that's a. Uh, thanks for the question. Yeah. That's uh, curve tracks. Always a a good thing to discuss. Yeah, it's it's good to remember too that uh, in the Alan Hendrickson's book. Oh yeah, that's got, right. He's got some good illustrations and uh, you know some good topics about the curve tracks. Yep. Yeah. Anyone who's looking for, actually, I mean, curve tracks or anything. If you're looking for inspiration for your yes. next uh, mechanical solution, looking at Alan Hendrickson's. Mecha- mechanical design for the stage that's what it is mechanical design for the stage uh, it's a great book I, I wish it had been around when, when i was a young man <laughs> but they didn't have paper back then <laughs> yeah i had to read all my automation <laughs> books on scrolls, on scrolls. So, yeah um all right so in the last few minutes i just wanted to touch base on the um coming back to plcs have we talked about plcs before on the show i don't i don't remember. think we have yeah i don't think we have so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's re- revisit that topic for folks who are they're just dying to hear more talk about PLCs. Um, I'm not sure you made your thoughts clear if you liked PLCs or not. I know. I often play it pretty close to the vest when it comes to PLCs <laughs> or, or anything that I like and dislike. Right. I'm, I'm really... <laughs> tell us how you really feel. Um, yeah, so we did that ESPN job, worked with the Schneider PLCs. That yeah. all went great. Went great, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have my complaints about working with PLCs in general. Yeah. Um, it inspired me, however, to continue to look for other solutions. Um, the guys from Beckoff make a very popular line of uh, automation controllers. Right. And those are in use. Uh, guys, um, who uses them? So Tate. Tate. Yeah. yeah. Hudson, Tate I know, them. uses them. Use them. I'm sure plenty of other people in our industry use them. And then they're right. used all over the place in industrial automation right. as well. Right. Um, and I kind of had my head screwed on wrong about this. Yeah. So are they are they PLCs? They're not really traditional PLCs. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were just like yet another PLC. Right. Uh, but they're not. Uh, it's pretty cool. They're actually little uh, embedded PCs um, that are either ARM or x86 processors. Oh, okay. So they're running Windows. Then. They're running Windows. Wow. Uh, I guess you don't have to run Windows. Like, yeah. for instance, Tate, I know, runs on QNX. Right. Um, but... It's x86 architecture. Yeah, so you can kind of run whatever you whatever want, whatever you want. operating system you want, yeah. I guess, on them. Um, but yeah, their their kind of out of the box solution is running Windows plus their TwinCat. Um, okay. Software and TwinCat actually runs at the kernel level, so on the Microsoft NT kernel. Yeah. Uh, the NT kernel can host different personalities, and Windows is one personality that nt can run right but at the same time it can also host this twin cat which is a real-time uh kernel level 
um, right. extension. So TwinCat and Windows are running in parallel. Essentially, they're, then, yeah, right? they're I mean, running in parallel and then like passing messages back and forth. Back and forth, but, but they're not in lockstep. Right. So if say Windows were to die. It doesn't, but Windows never crashes. Honestly, I mean, you know, it's like you say that jokingly, but Windows so rarely really crashes. I mean, software crashes on Windows all the time, but but Windows itself is pretty stable these days. It's not Windows ME anymore. (laughs) It's not Windows ME anymore. (laughs) I don't even think you can get Windows ME on the back off. (laughs) I got some copies, though. (laughs) In a glass case. Um, but, But so if Windows does crash, the... Or something like that. Yes. TwinCat is still operating. TwinCat is still operating, yeah. yeah. And so you can program on these uh, embedded PLCs, I'm sorry, embedded PCs, yep. uh, using your standard Windows tooling. So you can use like, like we rock .NET right. for Spike Mark. Um, but then our, you could rock like C Sharp. Yeah, so you can write it in C Sharp. Uh, you can write C, C++. Right. Um, or they also have implementations of the traditional PLC um, oh, ladder do. logic yeah. and structured text and all so that you, stuff. So, like, you'd probably prefer the ladder logic. <laughs> right. For it. I would have, obviously, <laughs> that would be my <laughs> choice because I love ladder logic. Uh, no. So, uh, I mean, it's you know, there's certainly an appeal there to be able to use the exact same development yeah. environment that we use for SpikeMark right. and use it on the um, on the PC that would be sitting inside of our stage hands. Yes. Yeah, so so we would put quote unquote a PC inside every stage hand. Yeah, that's right. right. So that right, which and, is a little different than I mean, not hugely different than what we do now, but 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 different, right? Because a little different because right now what we do is we actually have our um uh, we have we make our own little embedded motion control card that we stick inside of the stage hand. So, and so like what operating system is that running? Yeah, it's, it's running uh, <laughs> Connor's OS. Yeah, right? Yeah, so <laughs> we don't, we don't actually, in fall of 2016. That's right. <laughs> uh, we don't actually run on top of another operating system. So it's just raw firmware running right on the bare metal of the chip. Right. Um, yeah, the Beckoff guy asked me that same question. He's like, so you guys running Linux or something in there right now? I'm like, no, no, no. It's just uh, main.c. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we just, yep. We just start twiddling the bits. Yes. Uh, uh, and so th- this would be a slightly higher level application there. So we would have an OS running beneath our code rather than having our code running directly okay. on the metal. Yep. Um, but right now, yeah, we have a card inside every stage hand and that communicates over Ethernet with SpikeMark. Right. And then it figures out uh, how to do the motion um, on the card. So right. yeah, the Beckoff PLC, or, I'm sorry, the Beckoff PC would um, swap out for that card. So we would remove our card from the system put a Beckoff PC in there yep. and that would then start talking to spike mark. Right. And so like on our circuit board right now, we have a chip that's dedicated to the motion. Right? Yeah. It's dedicated that's, to the PID loop. That's so right. So how would that happen on the Beckoff side? Like, would we still have to take that chip and implement that chip in or no. does Beckoff have a solution? For yeah. That? So Beckoff has a solution for that. Um, and you know, part of their software module implements the PID loop. Nice. Yeah. So you'd have to have little hardware modules to do like the encoder capture. Yep. But the PID loop is in software there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is pretty nice. One of the big advantages of their system is that you have these plug-in modules. Right. So you can just slot in whatever hardware feature you need, you know, whether you encoder capture, analog output, analog input, you know, load sensing, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
or is a little snap on. Yeah, very neat. It's very neat. Right? Very like, impressive. It, right now, if we want to add those features, we got to go to the circuit to board. To the circuit board. And, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Which you just did a, a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because uh, we had to come up with a different uh, output format to talk to a drive. Right. Um, the guys at All Access have a bunch of these servo drives that instead of taking a plus or minus 10 volt DC speed signal, uh, take a zero to five volt speed signal and then a separate directional switch closure. Yep. Um, so we had to make a new circuit board that had that kind of output for them. And, you know, it took a couple of weeks and it came out great. It was um, awesome. Yeah. We'll get a lot of use out of it, I think, right? Yep, absolutely. But it wasn't as easy as just like, oh, well, we'll just pop off one module and pop on another module right. after we make a quick call to our local supplier you know it's like well we're gonna tomorrow yeah it's like well we'll start and you know we'll redesign the circuitry and then we'll you know relay out a circuit board and then we'll get a circuit board uh you know printed and then we'll solder it all together and and, yeah yeah it's more of a process it's more involved um and if you i don't know i'm obviously of two minds of it so um the the downside to the Beckoff system, I mean, a there's the price, right? These sure. things don't come for free. You, yeah. All this flexibility and modularity is um, comes at a cost. Um, but then even more so than that, uh, the communication protocol between the Beckoff card back to SpikeMark would no yeah. longer happen over regular old Ethernet, but okay. over EtherCAT. Okay. So what what's the difference there? Yeah, they look the same. Yeah, because they're using the same cable. Same cable, same connectors. You know, they're right. RJ45 <laughs> and Cat5 cable. Um, but it's a different protocol. It's a different protocol. It's not using TCP/IP. Okay. Um, I guess there is a depending on where on the network you place your EtherCAT master, um, you can bridge it over Ethernet using UDP, and yep. they kind of take the UDP packet and then build their own message inside of UDP. Okay. Uh, but once you're in the throes of an EtherCAT network, they actually take the entire Ethernet frame, and rather than using TCP IP, they have their own protocol in there of how, oh, you know, okay. how they structure the data. I see. Um, and then it's like a bus format. So it gets passed through everything on the network, yep. uh, on the EtherCAT network, and then every device on the network looks at that message and then pulls out the information it needs and adds its information back into the right. message. So, so wait it's a like, second, wait a second. Cause yeah. you said like a bus format. So yeah, everything is running and it, as it passes yeah, in a line, it, it yeah. just, just lined it up. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> yeah. But that's not how oh. like, the ethernet works, right? No. Because I mean, that's not how our system currently works with the TCP, right? Cause it takes, it, it goes back up to a router. Yes. And right. And the router, or a switch or a switch yeah yep. yep so it goes to a switch and the switch will you know the switch basically throws messages to the right port on the switch depending on what the ip address is right this is different because this every device on the network will get the, it's like having a like a like an office envelope right those like big <laughs> manila envelopes right. right and like everyone get in the line and i'm going to pass this envelope a lot around and then you look inside of it you and see if your mail is, yeah. is in there you take out your letter and if you've got any response then you stick that back on the envelope right. and pass it down oh, okay and then the guy at the end of that chain takes it back and hands it hands it back to the postmaster and says okay message complete yes and then they do it all again okay and so then these things are essentially running in series then yeah and that's the real downside i mean because you know, like it's academically interesting how the packeting works, right. but the downside is that the cabling, the actual physical cabling is 
in series. Yes. So, so like, if you say you have like fifteen axes. Yes. Right, and you've got a you got to run cables from one to two, two to three, yep. three to four. What happens like if the cable goes bad? Like if the cable gets run over by like a forklift, <laughs> yeah, then everything downstream of that dies. From one to two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everything downstream of that cable dies, which is, that is sad. It is a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> and they have some, I mean, it's, you know, if you read the documentation on it, that it's not as though this kind of bus topology is the only one. They You can do like tree and star topologies as well. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that, in essence, everything still has to be, um, at some point, these things get serialized. Right. And then there is no IP address. You don't identify things on the network by IP address. They're self-addressing and they're self-addressing oh, by their location yeah. into in the uh, network chain. Yeah. So it's a really different architecture. Yep. Than it, seems what like, it seems like it makes setup a little more tricky. Yeah. You got to be more methodical on your setup, right? Right. Because like at the moment, you don't make a diagram for how you're going to patch yeah. in your Ethernet cords when you have a bunch of our stagehand controllers on the stage. You just have, you know, motors and controllers and you just jam everything into some Ethernet switches. And right. Then, you run you around know. and see what the IP addresses are. and Yep. And then load up spike mark, connect everything and off you go. Right. You know, uh, so this, I, you know, it's still early days. I got to look at it more, yep. see if there's some options in there for how that could work into our system. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right solution or if it's just we kind of take inspiration from what they're doing and right. add that in. You know, I mean, it might make it just as much sense to kind of add up what are all the features we want to see on our next card and like let's build it big this time. Exactly. You know? Yep. Um, and then take a look at some of the things. They are doing some very interesting things on the protocol in Ethercat that yeah. I think we could learn from. Um, and maybe we want to tackle that Implement. instead. Yeah. You know? Yep. So really interesting it's to see what's out there. Stuff, yeah. And boy, I tell you, that catalog is gorgeous yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like a textbook you, it's like a textbook it's a hardbound catalog chock full of cool information yeah. and they have a really great product line um so hey if you got a chance i'd grab an, a back off yeah. automation catalog it's yeah. it's nice Check it out. Yeah. yeah um but uh not like everything else right not a home run exactly right? there's, exactly there's some downsides there's some compromises yeah. in there so we'll yeah. see we'll see yep Anyway, uh, that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to listen. If you've got questions uh, or would like to have us talk about something in, in particular, please send us an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com. And I think we'll see you next week. Yep. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>